Have you seen that clip of the guy who tries to chug a uh, sparkling water without burping? And, and he's he, like, oh. He goes like, oh, what do I do? And he's like, oh. And he turns around and runs into the garage. That's a good one. That is like classic Vine right there. What the hell's a Vine? Back in my day, we used to have Vines, which were basically TikToks. Welcome to Talk About Tatooine. I'm Andrew. I'm Nathan. We are Twin Brothers here to bring you what's new in nerddom and give colorful commentary on our favorite subjects. Welcome to our cantina. Grab a drink and settle in as we set course for realities beyond our own. Here's the thing. It is crazy hot. It is the middle of July. So if you guys hear Nathan's AC or my, my fan blowing in the background, there, there's grace, right? There's like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys get it, right? Please. I, I'm a big dude. Um, you have described us as hilariously Norwegian or hilariously Scandinavian. Excuse me. It looks like I am training to hibernate 365 days a year. I could be a professional hibernator. <laughs> so when it gets above 65 degrees, I'm uncomfortable. I feel that. I am currently sticking to my desk and I am trying really, really hard to not sweat. Um, I literally just hopped out of the shower, took a cold shower, mind you. And mm -hmm. so that way I was like, ah, I'll be temperature regulated for like 15 minutes. And yeah, that was about 15 minutes ago and it has worn off. And I am already, I can see the perspiration forming upon my brow. <laughs> Your body like, this is nothing. Also, I've been you reading. Take an ice bath. I've been reading way too much Warhammer Horse Heresy again. I'm actually going through this series. Like, literally finished the first four books on audiobook in this last seven days, and which is a lot of hours reading or listening. And now my vernacular is starting to mimic what an Astartes might sound like. And I'm like, oh gosh, I need to stop. To feeling I haven't gotten to the Space Wolves yet, but I'm almost there. So. Ah, yes, we shall get together and we shall drink the miad. Which is just like, what, get a gasoline mixed with 181? Like, Yeah, it's mostly just straight ethanol, I'm assuming, because it can get a space marine drunk, so. Yeah, they figured out how to make like 400 proof alcohol in the future, which really is what we sh should look forward to in the future, 40,000 years from now. It truly is the progression of technology and mankind. Uh, so we should say welcome to episode 35, everybody. Um, today's recording yeah. date is July 14th, and this episode is uh, going to be released on Monday, July 24th. Just a reminder that our lightsaber giveaway ends this month. We will be doing a drawing for one of two different ultra sabers. Make sure to become a Patreon. Uh, excuse me, make sure to become a patron by August 1st. That's our main requirement for those who are going to be entered the drawing. And make sure to like our post on Instagram. You'll get an entry into the sweepstakes. Today, we're going to be discussing Secret Invasion, Marvel's Secret Invasion, Season 1, Episode 2 and 3. But first, let's begin with our starter questions. Also, stick around towards the end. We've got some nerddom news coming your way as well. So I just want to make a slight clarification. You can like any of our posts on any of our social media about any of the lightsaber giveaways, but the Patreon membership is what's going to get you on the list. And I just want to say the next one person who joins has a 100% chance of getting a saber. Yes, there is a small pool to draw from. In fact, there are more lightsabers than people to draw from. So if there's not a second one, uh, most likely that will become a studio saber and we'll use that <laughs> for uh, somebody on, the, on our 
two-person staff <laughs> essentially it might become a future giveaway too yeah but uh yeah there's there's two sabers up for grabs and we have our first patreon we just launched our patreon not too long ago so getting our first patron is is kind of a huge deal shout out to michael may our first patron you are our patron prime and you will probably be getting a lightsaber if no one else joins <laughs> So make sure you guys join in, tell your friends, have them listen to literally the first 10 minutes of this episode and you'll be entered to win. And once you get onto that patron page, um, if you guys are looking for the links of that, you guys can find the link in our description. If you guys are watching this on YouTube and you can for also sure. find it on our Twitter profile, we have an extensive link tree and it should also be in the description for the video for um, Spotify for podcasters as well. Uh, formerly yeah. known as Anchor, but that's what distributes all of our podcasting audio material. So you guys can find that in plenty of different places. Our opening question today is actually a really fun one. I applaud Andrew for coming up with this one because I actually have a bunch of different ideas for this and I would like to do multiple of these. But the question, uh, and this is a Patreon question, so I'm assuming Mike threw this out. So yeah, I, I posted on our Patreon. It's like, hey, what do you want us to do for our opening question? Uh, and Mike May asked two different things. He said, if you could give the other one a tattoo, what would it be? So that will be our other question. But he asked a second question, which was, when was the last time you tinkled in your pants? And I just responded, Monday. So we're not going to do that one. We answered it on the Patreon. Uh, Nathan, if you could give me a tattoo, what would it be? <laughs> okay if i could give you a tattoo we're just going to ignore <laughs> that other one apparently um if i could give you a tattoo actually it would probably be a one of a few different things most likely it would be a reference probably to either star wars marvel or warhammer the first thing that comes to mind is an rc designation uh on like mm. the front of the shoulder potentially um so potentially where you would find like a rank insignia on like a formal dress uniform i'd actually have it probably mm -hmm. on that uh i guess it would be that front left shoulder and it would probably be an rc designation with some numbers that are somehow significant uh, if you guys don't know what rc stands for that is republic commando and that's probably it it, it kind of goes with the fact that we're twins and we're basically clones of each other so that's essentially uh what i would do so like clone troopers is ct um clone commander is cc um rc republic commando so they have different um mm -hmm. designations for that that's that's pretty cool so i i have a couple that i would give you um two of them are serious and one of them is not serious whatsoever. Uh, two of them are Star Wars, and one of them is from Dune, which you haven't seen. But uh, there's the famous quote. Uh, I probably would do the entire thing, but maybe on like the left shoulder, it would it would say uh, "Fear is the mind killer," uh, which is a famous quote from Dune. Uh, it's longer than that, and I don't remember it. Uh, if you remember it in the comments, go and hit go ahead and hit me up and tell me how dumb I am. But it's it's so epic. It like it gives me goosebumps every time I I hear that quote or read that quote. And the second one would be uh, on the inside of the forearm, and it would be um, either your name in Orabesh, which is the language in Star Wars, or it would it would say something else. Uh, it it might even say something like really really funny. Um, so we have. 
when Star Wars Squadrons came out, we had a, a kind of a four-person uh, gaming group that we used. Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. Please, and no. we called ourselves. Please, <laughs> we no. called ourselves. <laughs> we called ourselves Boner Squadron <laughs> because that's hilarious. And as voting members of society, we thought as adults that would be a hilarious name to give ourselves. So our des our little clan tag was BNR. <laughs> So that would be a really fun tattoo to like put on the inner arm. The third one, which I think is actually a little bit sillier, it would be the face of Jabba the Hutt on your hand so you could make Jabba talk. Bring me Solo and the Wookiee. Okay, first of all, those are all incredibly rude. Uh, so <laughs> savage. Um I think if I had to choose, had to have my way Ooh. with any of those, I would prefer something in Orobesh. Um, I think that would be where I would go with that for sure. Um, Cause I would yeah. really like to not have BNR on my forearm and have to explain that to people. Cause there's something different. There's like max a few dozen people, maybe even fewer who make it to this point in the episode statistically when I'm looking at my analytics. So very few people are going to hear <laughs> that. So that's fine, but I'm still mortified that as an editor, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and willingly keep it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Maybe a fourth serious one would also be on the inside of the forearm and it would be a minimalist rogue squadron symbol. I'd be okay with that. I would love that. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah, that's a little Huge bit more fan. respectful. <laughs> Sorry. That was four tattoo ideas. Uh, if you have any others that you would want to do for me, throw them out now. Say we should do a, a Patreon goal. If we hit like 200 patrons, we get lightsaber tattoos on the back of our arms or something. I don't know. That'd be cool. My wife would I, I not do be have... thrilled, but it would be pretty funny. My wife would not be thrilled either. She hears but me we from do the what other the room. people want. We're getting matching Star Wars tattoos. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Oh, was that a hard veto from Hannah? Wasn't it an explicit <laughs> no? Yeah, what she doesn't know won't hurt her. Am I right, comrade? Here we go. If you guys don't know... We are reviewing episode two and three. Episode four is already out by this point. I will let you know I have not watched episode four yet. So when we go through our predictions mm. and theories, <laughs> just so you guys know, that is my context. I have not watched episode four yet. So that's going to be a good time. We'll do it came out two days ago. That's acceptable. Yeah. So as it stands right now, Agent Maria Hill has been shot in Moscow. A false flag bombing has been carried out by Skrull extremists looking to pit major world powers against each other. What easier way to eliminate humankind than to get to, than to get them to do their own dirty work? Nick Fury is extracted from Russia only to be met with disturbing news about the scope of the threat he now faces. Andrew, go ahead and hit us with our with your rating 1 out of 10 for episode 2 to start. Yeah, episode two starts out with a really strong flashback, and that really s gave a strong foundation for this episode. And I gave it an eight out of ten. It really it showed '90s Fury talking to the scrolls. This is post Captain Marvel. Well, maybe by like a week or two, like they are fresh out of the action of that movie. And Nick Fury makes a lot of big promises. He says, "Hey, you you guys are going to be my spies. You are going to be my covert team." 
and I will find you a new world. It really sets the stage for why the scrolls are so angry, because that was 30 years ago, and they are pissed off. And I'm I'm really been enjoying it, and it's just, it's been awesome to watch so far. So I gave this episode actually a 7 out of 10, just a slightly lower score. Okay. And I feel like I have a decently logical reason for this is because how the narrative is working so far is episode one actually finished on a climax and so episode two naturally brings us into the falling action away from that climax which intrinsically is not as interesting but still important for the overall flow of mm -hmm. the series so i didn't like it as much but i think that's also part of the intention for the episode because it's much lower you're dealing with the aftermath of maria hill being killed you're dealing with um nick fury has some pretty harsh words to exchange with uh with talos on the train and mm -hmm. there's a lot that is going on and it's not as action-packed but it's very very important to what's going on in the series so i give it a 7 yeah. out of 10 i still liked it though i'm excited to see what is happening next but not necessarily uh my favorite episode so far yeah, I thought it was really good. And that, that discourse between Talos and Nick Fury was was tense. It was really tense. It was it was almost hard to listen to because you're like, oh crap. Like, because both Talos and Nick Fury are coming at this from uh being part of disadvantaged people groups, but from completely different aspects. You know, Nick Fury grew up in an a well, he grew up in 70s 80s america where white and black people are not treated the same and talos is coming from a background where his entire species is being hunted to extermination both not great places to be it's interesting that like you, you can tell talos is a good guy because he is very aware of what is going on in civil politics and in, in the american government at this point in time and he never once says like i think my situation is worse than yours because to only to only have a million people left of your species is a really rough place to be. Very tough. Statistically, you can't get much lower, uh, at least from humankind. You don't know if the biology mm -hmm. of scrolls are different, but statistically, you can't get too far in a lower threshold for numbers and actually be able to sustain a viable population of people because then you start getting into a like a gene pool that keeps dipping back into itself if you know what i mean yes. and then we start getting into a lot of problems so things are pretty dire for the scrolls there's a lot of problems yes they they are really balanced on the knife edge of extinction is really what they're facing and so i mean you really feel for talos and like nick fury really gives it to him and honestly, like Nick Fury is not in, in a place where <laughs> he should be that mean to Talos because he promised, he very literally promised the world, not necessarily our world, but a world to the scrolls. And he has not delivered. In fact, we don't, we haven't seen any evidence whatsoever that he has looked at all in the flashback. He mentions that Carol Danvers is also looking for a new home planet for the scrolls but as we heard in uh, endgame when she finally shows up she's like you know what there's been other problems across the galaxy that i've had to deal with it sounds like her schedule's been a little full and finding a new planet for the scrolls may not have been on her to-do list it's not even clear that nick fury even consulted carol danvers about like hey like we're looking for a new planet for them <laughs> 
Uh, I didn't watch Captain Marvel too closely the last time I watched it. Maybe that detail was in there. I wasn't really paying attention, but Nick Fury is not in a good place. I mean, Agent Hill is dead, which is heartbreaking. I love Colby Smulders. Uh, when when you were reading your intro, you mentioned you're like, the scroll extremists are looking to pit major world powers against each other. And in my head, I went, major world powers? <laughs> to round back onto my original point, the flashbacks have been amazing. I don't know how Fury is going to pull himself out of this one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure how he gets out of this because he's in a pickle. Because he starts the episode off with getting... In, a, in an argument with Talos. Then he has to confront Maria Hill's mother. And then I believe this episode ends with his conversation with Rhodey getting canned. And then it ends with, is it episode three that he meets his, that he reunites with his wife? Or is it two? Yeah, it's episode three. I'm getting too far ahead. Technically it's episode two, but it's like the last 10 seconds of episode two. Sure. Yeah. Okay. What were your what were some of your favorite moments from this episode? My favorite moment from the episode was the flashback. Um, for a slightly different reason is because when you first meet Nick Fury in the Avengers, one of the first things that they tell you as the audience about Nick Fury is that his secrets have secrets. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then you kind of realize that if he has an army of shapeshifters that are his own personal spy network, yes, he mm-hmm. knows everything. <laughs> and so I'm yeah. really excited to just kind of like see more of that backstory. I never really considered Nick Fury kind of a compelling like character that I was like, oh, let's let's get a series about Nick Fury. I never really thought of that too much until now. And I'm like really enjoying where they're going with this so far the backstory they're putting on this character. And it's just, it feels refreshing to get some non superhero Marvel content into the zeitgeist. Yeah. People are comparing secret invasion to star Wars Andor, and I think that's a pretty compelling. Do you hear something? Hold on. My iPad is trying to talk to me for some reason. <laughs> startled me. I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Shut the hell up, robot. I ain't talking to you, you robotic chip ass. Sorry for the disruption. We're going to start with uh, giving our rating 1 out of 10 for episode 3 now. Uh, I gave episode 3 a 9 out of 10. I loved it. I mean, we really see in episode 3 things to really start heat up again. So one thing we loved about Andor is it had... uh, (laughs) It had multiple climaxes and then, uh, you know, rising action climax and then falling back at, down to the pit. It would go up and up and up and up. This seems to be kind of doing the same thing. Like episode one was a high point. Episode two was a low point. Episode three was another high point because we saw the interrogation of that other scroll by that British lady. She like chops off his finger. That was that was sickening. wild. Oof. She just went right for it. She was like. I don't have time for this and just chops his finger off. I'm like, okay, yikers. Cause I think, cause I think this is also the episode with the submarine. I mean, this, this goes right back into the spy thriller of like, you know, coming right down to the wire. If you, if you don't solve these codes, it's the nukes going to go off. Um, and I have some very specific comments on some of the reactions to Gravik and Gaia that I want to address, but first I want to hear what 
what you have to say about this episode. So I gave this episode an eight out of 10. I'm really, really enjoying it so far. These are getting really, really high marks from both of us overall. I think really I rated this so high is because this truly does have me on the edge of my seat. I really am not doing a good job at guessing what's coming next, which is really fun. Uh, and everything's yeah. not super predictable, even though we are following some of the cliches of spy and espionage thrillers, like there's people getting tortured, there's nu uh, nuclear threats um, a via a submarine. So I think there's a lot of like really fun kind of nostalgic things that we see from other movies. And I think one thing that I'm really enjoying so far is the relationship between Talos and Gaia and how it doesn't quite make sense on what side Gaia is on. Cause she, she does, she has a healthy skepticism. It seems like of graphic. So I've been really enjoying that so far. Because she was more than a willing participate participant in the bombing of Moscow, even so much as to give a false tip to Fury and Hill in such a way that Hill gets killed. And now Fury is a fugitive. But then when pushed comes to shove and she has to choose between nuclear war and keeping her cover, she chooses not to keep her cover, give Fury the intel. Um, and this is actually this, the, the, a lot of people have really given this episode a lot of crap because the interaction between Gaia and Gravik is a little ham-fisted. It's, or it comes across as ham-fisted. And what I mean by that is Gravik walks up to Gaia and says, I suspect you of being a traitor. And she goes, nope, it's not me. And he's like, all right. And people are like, that's dumb. That's not very well written. That could be it. What I see is that Gaia is not a very good spy. <laughs> she is playing checkers and Gravik is playing chess. And what I mean by that is when you know you hold all the cards, you can behave incredibly aggressively. Let's talk about poker for a second. If you have a legitimately good hand, you can go all in. And that's what we see Gravik doing. He says, I'm just going to tell you what I think and you're going to have to deal with it. And because I have all the power, it doesn't matter that you know that I know. And that's why he so clearly gives her the intel later saying, this is the sub, this is where it's going to be. And this is the time, you know, he answers the phone, he gives that intel off and, and, and he knows that Gaia is the only one around to hear it. He's saying, I am laying this so this incredibly obvious bait for you because I'm pretty sure it's you. And like, it, it's a win-win for him. It's a win because he either starts a nuclear war and he proves that Gaia can be trusted or he roots out a spy within his midst because his plans can't go forward if Gaia is a double agent. So he wins regardless. And that's how you see people act when they have all the power. They can show their cards and being like, listen, you know exactly what I'm going to play. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to win. And that's exactly what we see happen. Because Gravik, at the end, he doesn't even bring backup. He knows he's just like, 
He's like, I have you. I knew exactly where you would go. He was waiting for her and guns her down. That was a really hard pill to swallow at the end because you were really hopeful there for a second. And I think if you guys remember back to when I was talking about the first episode, Maria Hill dies. They set the precedent, even with the scroll version of, oh gosh, who plays uh, Agent, what's his name? He's in Black Panther. He plays Agent Ross. Thank you, Agent Ross. Um, They kill Agent Ross supposedly in the first five minutes. You realize, oh, thank gosh, it's a it's a scroll. It's a shapeshifter. It's not him. Then at the end of the episode, they kill Maria Hill and they're sticking to their guns and saying, nobody in this series is safe. And you're like, Oh, Gaia's doing the right thing. She's like trying to stop nuclear war. She's like, she's going to get away. It's like, this is a situation where the good guys always win, right? Pop dead. Nope. Nope. No. Does not get away. That was intense. And I think I know that Disney's like, hey, we're we're not pulling our punches with this one. Like this needs mm-hmm. to be, this needs to set a different tone than just a show or a movie that is meant for kids and young teenagers. This is like all of our fans have grown up now and they expect more realistic, more thrilling content and they're rolling with it. So I'm really excited about that. Really, it's like, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. That's really all I... Without spoiling episode four for you, you're going to have a lot of fun in episode four. (laughs) I know. I wanted to make sure we recorded these first before I watched episode four. So that way my predictions were hopefully as accurate as possible and non-biased. Yeah. So let's talk about our predictions for the series. So I'm going to try... I'm going to do my best not to spoil episode four, and I'm pretty sure I will be successful. I do have some predictions that I can share with you that won't spoil episode four and will still be based off the events of episodes two and three. But do you want to lead us with where you think this show as a series is going to go? Not necessarily what's going to happen in the next episode because we're a little behind, where do you think Secret Invasion is going to go? Do you think, where do you think it's, how it's going to end, how it's going to affect future properties, whether that be, you know, shows, movies, etc. Let's hear it. I think Gravik is doing a really, really good job at multiplying his power right now. In episode three, he becomes the Scroll General. And I think because he now has power over many different world powers, I think the Scroll with the, with the, ability of super scrolls now because they have the regenerative powers we see in iron man three now which is wild uh agents of shield and and, thank you and agents of shield um it's the extremist buff i don't it's not a virus it's 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 they're like nanobots yeah so they have that with obviously being shapeshifters, you could shapeshift literally into a bomb. They they can, at this point, they can achieve any objective they want to on Earth. However, I think they're going to go beyond Earth, and I think they're going to take Saber. I think they have the means, they have the tools. Saber. I think they're going to infiltrate the space station and take it down. Because we know nothing of Saber so far. We just know Nick Fury was on a spaceship for a while. That's it. And I think they're going to take it over. And I think they're going to do it successfully. I think they're either going to, it's going to get destroyed 
by the good guys, whoever the good guys are at this point, because there's not really many actual good guys, or the scroll are going to have effectively be like, this is ours now, and maybe even take it off to a different planet. Who knows? But I think they're going to get it. I think they've got it. Yeah, I think the destruction of Saber is really almost inevitable because, you know, the scroll is a people. Like, And, and let's, let's not forget the flashback from episode two. Gravik was there when the scrolls allied to his side. He heard the promises that Nick Fury made. He didn't hear about them secondhand. They were made to his face. So I think he's going to take that space station out of the sky to just say, you know what, a nice big middle finger to you, Fury. Like all that money you spent, all that time you spent doing who the hell knows what. We have no idea what that space station is doing. Uh, from the little research I did, I couldn't really find a precedent for what that space station is used for. We have no idea what he's what he's doing. Um, I think... I think that that totally is possible that they'll take that down. I don't think Fury is going to survive. Um, one of the notes I have is like Fury just he's burning bridges and he's losing friends every single episode. Something happens to where Fury loses some of the power that he has gained. And I mean, that's been sort of Fury's story for the last like 10 years in the Marvel movies is he's the head honcho of S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. is now destroyed because it had, you know, a cancerous growth known as Hydra multiplying inside of it for who knows how well we know exactly how long since World War II. <laughs> and he has no idea. He has no idea. Even with his scrolls, he had no idea about Hydra. And we even see that like later in the movies that like, I think it's Talos is telling him he's like, or no, it might've been his wife that like you only got to where you were because the scrolls put you there. Like I think Gravik is going to systematically destroy every single thing in Fury's life and then he's going to kill him. I don't think Fury makes it out of this alive. No way. And he I does. think after yeah, he's toast. And I and I think after Fury dies, I think we're going to start to see the scrolls impersonate different superheroes and that's what we're going to see in the coming movies and coming series is this expansion of false avengers you know like the original super scroll in the comics had all the powers of the fantastic four i think that's exactly what's going to happen especially since the fantastic especially since the fantastic four was slated to get another movie i think i think they're going to come back hopefully with john krasinski i really yes. hope so because he's great except for he got killed <sighs> multiverse of madness watching scarlet witch destroy the illuminati was so brutal really just like especially when uh black bolt blows his own brains out i was like oh no <laughs> i was like oh it's gonna be one of those movies and and that's really that's really the thing we need to see out of marvel movies is i'm really tired of uh origin stories we need to see these people's stories continue on like spider-man didn't really have an origin story and it worked so well tom holland is such a good spider-man and secret invasion is doing the same exact thing it's not they're not telling the origin story of nick fury they're expanding on his story and moving it forward in such a way that is really dynamic and it's really tragic this show is not going to have a happy ending there's no way there's no way i would be surprised if it was a happy ending either way i'm here for it sadness is an emotion that I have no problem experiencing. It was like the end of Infinity War. Infinity War was one of the best Marvel movies ever, and the good guys lost. 
Oh yeah, they got their teeth kicked in. Oh well, good thing Thor just like put Stormbreaker through his chest, and Thanos is like, "Not dead yet." <laughs> you should have chopped off me head. You didn't roll a nat twenty, son. I win. All right, guys. So coming up next, what we're gonna do is we're gonna hop into news from the Hollow Net. We've got some good things coming in. Depending on your point of view, and Andrew, I haven't run this by you yet, but I think I speak for both of us when we are referencing the news about the actors who have joined the protest of SAG-AFTRA. And this mm -hmm. means that most likely what we're going to see is a delay in many entertainment sources after current projects are finished and released. So if you guys aren't familiar, just a quick overview on the basically how things in Hollywood, Netflix, cinemas, everything gets released is they go through and they shoot everything. And then most of the time afterwards is spent editing, producing, finishing, putting all the finishing touches on. So these actors have already done the work essentially for what is going on. So we're still going to get some releases of the content that's currently a work in progress. But depending mm -hmm. on how long this strike goes, we'll probably see a delay in a lot of projects as well. But I think I speak for both of us when I say our entertainment is not more important than the livelihood of those who create the work. I think that's 100% true. And something we have to be reminded of is that there are a lot more actors than I guess we think about who are not ultra mega rich. For for every Matt Damon in the world, I'm not, I'm just, that's the first guy I thought of. I don't know what Matt Damon's stance on this movie. I just know he's famous and I love his work. For every Matt Damon that's in a movie, there are what? A hundred of other supporting actors in a movie? There are quite a few. And, and we're talking actors, we're talking extras, we're talking stunt people. Like, there, there's so many different people that are the foundation of any credited actor on that first section of the credits for them to do well. And, and those are really the people who are being dis disenfranchised because those people, you know, this is just their day job. It's not like they can do one movie and they never have to work the rest of their life. They're not ultra rich. They're not ultra successful. They're living in one of the most expensive cities in the United States, Los Angeles or near Los Angeles. It's either Los Angeles or New York. Those are where a lot of like the actual yeah. uh, events are being filmed. And those are really expensive places to live. And then I think third would be Georgia. There's a lot of filming activity that happens in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of actors to make a movie and you got to pay them well. And here's the thing, like when, when people are, are protesting for better pay and better wages, don't cross the picket lines. Support what they're doing. If you can support them in real life, do so. Don't, oh gosh, what it, what is it called when a person are you, fills in for the place that's a scab. of a scab don't be a scab man yeah that's it's, uh that's it's no good. not a good look strikes like this i mean they get our full support i mean it so much of our happiness and joy comes from the digestion of media and its discussion and coming around and being part of these fandoms people's lives are more important than that like if we, if we have nothing to talk about on our podcast for a couple months you know we'll be okay there's always stuff for us to talk about. 
And we just need to make sure that those who are putting in the work and honestly, a lot of them who are chasing their dreams of being in these mm -hmm. sort of production and acting roles, they, they deserve to be able to pay their rent essentially. Yeah. So yeah, that's usually what it comes down to on a more happy note. We also got a new Ahsoka trailer this week, which everyone is Looks really great or just raving about. Um, because we get to see Thrawn in live action. We've seen his face now. We all knew that he was going to be there. He's in Rebels. He's in, uh, he's mentioned, name dropped in Mandalorian. And in the first Ahsoka trailer, you literally see all of the candidates for the Rebel squad, all of them that are still living. Mm -hmm. So, except Zeb. Ex except Zeb, but they confirmed him in. Uh, Mandalorian. And so you're, you've you've got everybody accounted for still. Everyone's still yeah, he's alive in the setting. So it's kind of interesting. Ahsoka almost feels like it's going to be Rebels 2.0, which is going to be really awesome because I actually just watched the last few episodes of Rebels just for fun because I was watching the trailers and things. And it it ends quite spectacularly. I'm really, really excited to see where this goes i mean we may even see hera's kid the the syndulla boy uh who's probably force sensitive jason syndulla right jason syndulla thank you so i'm i'm 100 percent excited for this i'm really excited to see live action ezra i hope he's doing all right uh the pergill look terrifying they look so cool it's like the mix of a spaceship, a whale, and a giant squid. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, they are so cool. Yeah, they they it's it's hundred percent rule of cool with some of this stuff. It's gonna be great. I'm I have really high hopes for it. I think if yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say that. I, I, I have really high hopes for it. I wasn't really thrilled with things like Mandalorian season three. I thought the writing was fine. Um and some of the fight choreography could have been a lot better. Um, I enjoyed the story, but I don't really have a desire to rewatch it all that much. Um, but I'm a hundred percent looking forward to Ahsoka and my, my hopes are high. I've definitely watched season three, like two times through already. <laughs> I really like nice. this, but I'm also, I love the Mandalorians. They're some of my favorite factions in star Wars. So huge fan. Yeah. You read, you read all the Karen Travis books, right? Oh Yeah. Every single one of them. Yeah. I think you own most of them. They're right above my head on my desk. They're <laughs> they're right up here. I wish we could see your desk. I, I love all your books and stuff. Um, there's nothing on my back wall because uh, we get the keys to a new house today. And so all my stuff is in boxes. That's so exciting. Yes, it is very exciting. I'm moving into a very old house. It's almost 100 years old. So it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, anyway, we have one more piece of news on the holonet that i wanted to talk about in warhammer news the emperor's children range refresh is basically confirmed at this point so fabius bile is getting his own book which that's like obvious that seems like obvious foreshadowing like the emperor's children are coming back they haven't really been touched like their sculpts well they've probably been touched in other ways because they're gross uh <laughs> But their sculpts haven't been updated in years. Uh, the Noise Marines, while still super punk rock, they could be better. They could be and better. And so we're hoping to see, 
we're, we're hoping to see a lot of range refreshes from the emperor's children um lucius the eternal is getting an updated mini and honestly if we don't get fulgrim or even eidolon in the next year i would be surprised i think 10th edition is going to be the addition of emperor's children i mean in ninth edition we got the lion and angron i think the next one's up for, for bat is definitely going to be fulgrim and i'm not sure which loyalist primarch is going to come back in 10th if we get one at all i'm very interested to see that as well i there this morning so uh just some fun facts into our story here guys i'm having you and some friends over tomorrow morning uh to play warhammer mm -hmm. we're doing a six thousand point game a 2v2 and it's gonna be really fun so i've been cleaning all day today and i was literally <laughs> listening to fulgrim the book five of horse heresy this morning and it it's is a gross book it is a gross book and it just body horror you you realize yeah. very very quickly where the emperor's children went wrong and you realize they had no almost had no other path other than to consort with slanesh so it's wild i'm really i this is one of my favorite books i actually think in the horus heresy series i think books one through five are like absolutely some of my favorites and I'm really excited I, that I'm reading through them again. I literally listened to as much of the book as I could while cleaning today until my AirPods died. Like I literally like drained the entire battery listening to them. Wow. So I'm super excited that they're coming out with these models. I'm contemplating playing Chaos. And so potentially having a Lucius the Eternal model would be awesome. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. And as far as like books to read, we actually get that question uh, decently enough from like friends and family like, hey, I'm into this. I'm trying to get into Star Wars books. I'm trying to get into Warhammer books. What should we read? Uh, books one through five of the Horus Heresy, a great recommendation. Um, there are maybe some others I would throw in there. Um, but the first five, I think, are a slam dunk. You'd really see what the trajectory of the Horus Heresy, how it starts, and then probably reading the Siege of Terra at the end. I mean, there's almost 60 books in the Horus Heresy book, and this might be heresy just to say they're not all worth reading. Yeah, there are some in there that are, I actually had a really hard time listening through because I would listen through an hour would go by and I realized I have no idea what's going on. Like that just didn't capture my attention. It was nerd attention. homework. Nerd homework is a great way nerd. to explain that. Yep. yep. That's kind of how I felt about reading Dune. I felt like it was nerd homework. It is a hard to digest book. Frank Herbert is uh, a little hard to digest. I'm also reading, reading some Brandon Sanderson novels. He's like, uh, he does the Way of Kings and Mistborn series. Uh, those are fantasy. Um, and a lot of people have described that as nerd homework as well. I'm reading them and I'm actually enjoying them too. So we'll see how that goes. And I also just checked out some Magic the Gathering books uh, from the library. So I'm excited to read through those as well. Basically what I'm saying is I have more books to read and listen to than there are hours in the day. But I understand we'll that on a deep level. I'm actually hoping one of my long-term projects is actually to start building a home library of Warhammer Star Wars books. And I want to start at the beginning chronologically for these series and basically read my way through the story. Uh, and for Warhammer, they have, Oof. I think, over like 200 books. So I've got a while yes. to go through, which for me is more exciting than it is daunting. So. I, I can't wait to set up my new office and uh, the new house, which 
I think we're going to call our home the burrow. Uh, that's not a hundred percent set in stone yet, but I like it. we'll see. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for watching. This has been episode. Well, actually it was going to be episode 34, then episode or sorry, episode 35, then episode 36, but we're jamming it all into 35. So thank you guys for sticking around. Every single one of you is completely amazing. And I'm sure none of you are scrolls. So thank you guys for watching all of you lovely humans. Leave us your theories in the comments. This is a humans only podcast. Uh, leave us your theories in the comments. Share pictures of your models on Twitter and Instagram. We're, you guys, If you guys follow us on social media, you guys are going to see a lot of stuff coming through for our next battle, which is happening tomorrow. So I know you guys aren't going to be listening to this until another 10 days, but keep that in mind. Lots of stuff is happening. And if you guys have other uh, more formal inquiries, you can shoot us an email at talkabouttatooine at gmail.com. Just a reminder that our patron page, Patreon page, is the best way to support us right now. So if you guys are interested in supporting us and becoming a patron, you guys can find us at patreon.com forward slash talk about Tatooine. So make sure you guys check us out there and the odds of you getting a lightsaber is really, really high right now. If you join before August very, 1st, very high. If only one more person joins, that person has a 100% chance of getting a lightsaber. Keep that in mind. Do with that information as you want. And <laughs> the more people that get in there, the lower the chance for technically everybody. But the odds are still really, really good. We're not talking like one in a hundred right now. Like you, there's a really good chance you guys are going to do this. And for us as the producers of this podcast, if this goes well, we will be doing more giveaways in the future. We want to for sure. spoil our community as much as we can, but we want to make yeah. sure we start with baby steps. So make sure to join the patron. You guys get access to Discord, all that fun stuff. You guys are going to get really clear lines of communication to us. So that way you guys can be involved in the process. At the top of the episode, our opening question is a patron question. So we're super happy about that. Uh, make sure that you like these videos as well. That is super, super important with these videos getting pushed into the algorithm. This week, as of recording, we had a video that went from 10,000 views to 20,000 views in the course of seven days. It started with less than 200 likes and has over 1,300 right now. So when people keep liking our videos, it keeps getting shared with other people. So that is a huge way to support our content here, guys. We really, really appreciate it. Leave a review wherever you guys are listening as well. We would really appreciate that. We're sometimes slaves to our algorithmic overlords, so make sure you guys are helping us out in that way until next time watch out for your neighbor they could be a scroll close your eyes